We are uh, wrapping up this short series uh, that we've been in uh, called Got Hope. We started right around the time of the resurrection. Uh, Got Hope, asking that question. And um, now we are going to uh, uh, move forward in that, in that series. We were in the book of Second Corinthians last week, and you heard some of that read for you this morning. We're going to continue in that book uh, of Second Corinthians uh, in the fifth chapter, in the fifth chapter. And I will begin, um, I will begin reading at verse 11. We got up to verse 10 last week, so I'll begin reading at verse 11. <clears throat> Second um, Corinthians, be reading from the English Standard Version. Second Corinthians, uh, chapter five, verse eleven. If you have your copy of God's Word, you can meet me there. Uh, we have copies here in the rear. If you would like one, Second Corinthians, chapter five, verse eleven reads thus. It says, therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade others. But what we are is known to God, and I hope it is known also to your conscience. We are not commending ourselves to you again, but giving you cause to boast about us so that you may be able to answer those who boast about outward appearance and not about what is in the heart. For if we are beside ourselves, it is for God. If we are in our right mind, it is for you. For the love of God, a love of Christ controls us because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. And he died for all that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, The new has come. All this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Trust in us, the message of reconciliation. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you uh, for the message of reconciliation. Help us to dive deeper into the truth of what it means to be reconciled to you. God, it is your goodness and your mercy, Lord, that has caused us to be so. Help us to consider it. Help us to rejoice in it. Help us to be compelled by it. 
Allow your spirit, Lord, to reign in this room, in our minds, in our hearts, God. In the spaces of those that are watching via the web, Lord. Uh, your spirit reign, God, we pray in the name of Jesus. Be magnified now. We ask, Lord, for fresh anointing to preach and anointing to receive your word. Father, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. Lord, you're my strength and my redeemer. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. It's a new month. Thank God for a new month. Last month, uh, let's see who's tracking with me. I'm going to start meddling now. Last month, in the monthly update email, visitors, you just follow along. They, you, in, the, in the monthly update email, I challenged the church to identify and reach out to someone with the gospel. I knew it'd be quiet. I didn't receive a lot of feedback, uh, but I've been curious to know how it went. Um, Who took up the challenge and and how did it go? Uh, uh, Who may have wanted to, but wasn't sure how, or or maybe was afraid? um, uh, who, who didn't have time or maybe just didn't see the point of doing it? There's, a, there's a, another category. Who never even read the email? That's another category. That's another sermon for another time. And, and so I, I, hope that, I hope to hear from, from many of you soon about uh, where, where you landed with this. Where you landed with this? Because I, um, I'm not in the habit of, of, of sharing things just for the habit of sharing things. Uh, in the text today, though, uh, it, it's, it's almost as if, that was an email, but it's almost as if we, we have opened and are reading someone's mail. It, it presents, this text, it presents a personal challenging word from the Lord's apostle to the church. And as the church today, uh, we have a right to hear it. We're not just eavesdropping. We have a right to hear it and a responsibility to heed it. That's the church. Uh, In it, Paul shares some primary uh, motivation for how he lives and what drives him to do what he does. Uh, Why is Paul going after it like he does? Um, the title of the, the sermon and message for today is Giving Hope. Giving Hope. Um, last week we, we talked about the, the certainty of the believer's future with the Lord, uh, which, which allows them to be always living in hope. Right? To the, the text... Uh, today, it shows us that those living in hope are also called and ought to be giving that hope. 
Y'all with me so far, I see three heads nodding this morning. We're going to start anyway. Uh, uh, Paul's been, he's motivated, he shares his, his motivation in this letter. He's motivated to share hope first by the fear of the Lord. Then he's driven by Christ's sacrificial love. And lastly, it's because he's been transformed by and entrusted with sharing this hope. He's been transformed by it. Don't, don't, that's important. We're going to come to it. We're going to get back to it. He says, therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade others. But what we are is known to God, and I hope it is known also to your conscience We are not commending ourselves to you again, but giving you cause to boast about us so that you may be able to answer those who boast about outward appearance and not about what's in the heart. For if we are beside ourselves, it is for God. And if we are in our right mind, it is for you. A a primary motivation for Paul's urging others toward a right a view and relationship with God was the fear of the Lord. Uh, Paul's pushing because of the fear of the Lord. He says, uh, therefore, and, and everybody knows when you read therefore, you need to look back and see what therefore is therefore. You know that. So he, he points back to verse 10, uh, um, uh, to having, um, to, to everyone having to appear before the judgment seat of Christ. He looks back to that when he says, therefore. Um, uh, and, and, and I meant to mention last week that that appearing before the judgment seat of Christ is not a, a, a group answer, a group evaluation. It's not, you don't, it's not, a, a, it's not graded on a curve. It, it's an individual. It's not, I went to a church that did this, this, and this. It's, what did you do? Um, now, Paul, but Paul said he's confident of his own standing, and, and, but, but wanting others to have that same confidence when it's time uh, uh, for that appearance. Paul operates from a purifying fear of the Lord as he encourages them for Christ. Uh, Paul's uh, uh, fear of the Lord, though, is not the terrified feeling of, of danger. Uh, just let's be clear, this fear, it, it's, it's, a, it's, a, uh, it's, a, it's a, a biblical premise, this fear, it, it, is a, it is an attitude, it is a disposition that leads to holding everything about the Lord in highest regard. A, a, a trembling response to his holiness the fear of the Lord. The, the, the church and the world need this holy fear. It would change some things. Not, not terror of the Lord, but a right estimation of who he is, what he's done, and what he's promised and able to do, which makes us respond appropriately to him and his word in awe and reverence. <clears throat> I know there was a time when people, uh, 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 people wouldn't make certain jokes using God's name because there was a fear of the Lord. I, I grew up in a time where people would even 
be partaking of things walking down the street and would cross the street when they came in front of a church building. It's not that time today. <laughs> this, this, this fear of the Lord, it separates, the Bible says, the fool from the wise. This fear of the Lord, because Proverbs 1 and 7 says, the fear of the Lord is what? The beginning of knowledge. But fools despise wisdom and instruction. It, it, it sets us in a good company and on the right path. Paul is talking to this, this audience, this church, and um, he, he really has nothing to prove to them, being the one who delivered the gospel to them in the first place, but he wants them to understand his ministry. It's being misconstrued by some because of, because of, he needs them to understand it because of what it means for their own lives. His ministry is a picture of something bigger. You know, there were, there were plenty of, uh, of polished, professional speakers around in Corinth at this time using excellent speech to gain an audience and, and, and always a donation. They talked about deep, the deep things of the faith. You know, they, they went deeper than the scriptures. You, you know who they are. Uh, I mean, in Corinth. Um, they, 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 but, they, but they fell short in fully understanding and living the truth of what they preached. Outside, inside. Uh, it, it all, what they were falling short in, it was evidence in their self-promotion. They were boastful in, in their low view of Paul because of the way he presented uh, 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 if they had really understood the cross they were claiming to preach and the resurrection, they would have understood the cross-shaped ministry of Paul. Paul's ministry was patterned after the cross. Um, some of these, these challenges of, 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 of they, they, they bring to mind um, many, many folks who've, who've replaced a local pastor with an internet pastor over the pan pandemic. Uh, many times criticizing the less polished ministry of, of someone who, who knows and loves them sacrificially, uh, opting for a more polished video persona uh, who would never go to the mat for them. Uh, Paul had put himself in harm's way for this church. Um, he, he had lived out for them, in front of them, the integrity, that, that, that oneness of speech and heart and deed, all that, that aligned with the gospel. Now maybe sometimes, I gotta give it to, we gotta be honest, maybe sometimes seeming a little bit fanatic, Right, and, 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 and at other times, maybe a little somber and serious. But Paul says if he looked crazy to some, he was willing to let it be so to fulfill God's purpose. He was willing to look out of his mind. The scripture is nice, says beside himself. He was willing to look crazy. What, what, whatever it took to carry out God's mission, Paul says it was for their benefit. Um, 
I got to pause for a question here. Does your life still make sense to everyone around you? If the, if the answer is yes, that your life makes sense to everyone around you, you may not be living. I, I mean, are we willing to look foolish for a moment? Or are we, do we always need to be dignified? Or are, uh, are we willing to be misunderstood, uh, embarrassed, or, or even ridiculed in order to accomplish God's purpose of giving his hope to others? Our lives should look a little strange to the people around us. I know my life looks strange uh, a, a, a couple years ago when I sold my house and moved to this church. <laughs> I mean, move to, to the city and, 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 and the questions abounded. You sure you want to do Our lives should look strange uh, because there, I, I submit to you that there's no way to carry out God's will and remain in our own comfort zones. Doesn't matter what your comfort zone is. Doesn't matter if you're extrovert or introvert. Doesn't matter if you're, you're sanguine or where you score on the person. Not, what it, doesn't matter. If we're going to carry out God's will, we're going to have to come out of our comfort zone. Somebody's uncomfortable just by me saying that. <laughs> Paul, is, Paul is leading them because uh, they're going by what they've been seeing. Uh, and Paul is leading them beyond superficial understanding of his actions and others' actions to the, to the substance of their motives. That the motives are, are what's at the heart of the thing. He said, you need to know why. What, what, this is what it looks like operating in the fear of the Lord. His ministry is for the glory of God and for the good of others over himself. But not only does God's holy nature and the coming evaluation of the Lord Jesus prompt Paul to do what it takes to reach others, he shares uh, uh, that, that in 14, for the love of Christ controls us. Because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. And he died for all that those who live might no longer live for themselves but for him who for their sake died and was raised. The love displayed by Jesus in his sacrificial death, it offers an opportunity and an obligation. The, this love of Christ is further motivation for Paul. Instead of <clears throat> Christ's love Controlling or compelling, I like how the New English Bible puts it, it translates it, the love of Christ leaves us no choice. I like that. Considering what he's done, total abandon for him is the only logical way to respond. Paul gets after it, he said in Romans 12 and 1, considering these mercies of God, uh, uh, we should offer ourselves, our total selves, as living sacrifices to him. 
Christ has provided us all with the opportunity of life by dying a death instead of and on behalf of us. Just, we just got to grasp this. Just, just hold on to it. Paul is compelled to reach out to others with this hope for life and call them to live for Jesus. It's driving him. It's pushing him, squeezing him. In this language, there's something else that we see. We see also Christ dying for all. We see also that the all he died for It's of all, the all he died for. It's those who've accepted his death on their behalf that are the living. You see that? Um, they, They are the living and they are the ones who are tied to living lives devoted to him because they are the living. Um, no longer should the, the, should the self-centered life rule them, but the Christ-centered life. Uh, I hope this language isn't strange to anyone. This, uh, and, and I hope that, that, those, that, that the one saying I've heard this before would know we need to hear it again. <laughs> um, we should be all out now for the Christ-centered life. The hymn, the hymn, alas, indeed, my Savior bleed, better known as at the cross. Uh, it, it catches the motivating force of the love shown in Jesus' death. It catches it uh, uh, here. Uh, the, the singer is reminded, thus might I hide my blushing face while his dear cross appears, dissolve my heart in thankfulness and melt mine eyes to tears, but drops of grief could never repay this debt of love I owe. He says, here, Lord, I give myself away. Tis all that I could do. It's, the writer said, this, this is it. Uh, uh, but Paul is pressing, you know, beyond that. This, uh, this life Paul is pointing out is rooted in more than just sentiment or, or emotional feelings of, of what we should do. This is the right thing. Uh, there's a transformation that makes what we ought to be possible. Paul said there's a transformation. He says from now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Has the new come? Are all of those that are incorporated in, with Christ's death that, that, that Paul has spoken of in his resurrection now have life in a completely new sphere. They are now made to take part in God's restoration of life as he intended it. It's the new creation. 
As part of that sphere, Paul now views people differently. He views people according to the eternal perspective and not the pretense or uh, facades of the world. Uh, He's not taking anyone else at face value. It's it's the difference uh, between a, a caterpillar and a butterfly. No longer bound by what's discovered and recognized through crawling around on the ground, the butterfly's perspective of the world is completely new. There's more to it than just dirt and grass. Our our vantage point has been transformed through Christ's death and resurrection. It's new. Paul, Paul, doesn't, Paul doesn't pull punches. He knows that he was a, a major offender. The prime example of this caterpillar perspective was how Paul and many others had viewed Jesus. They believed that the carpenter's son from Nazareth, Mary's little boy, couldn't be much else. Uh, uh, <clears throat> Paul himself had considered Jesus to be a fraud. That is until he had a transforming encounter with him on the road to Damascus. He he thought that he was a fraud until that day. Um, uh, 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 In fact, Paul uh, could not see Jesus from his worldly perspective. So Jesus, uh, in his appearing, blinded Paul and in turn made Paul able to recognize who he was. How you like that? Uh, um, uh, Jesus turned out to be abundantly more than doubting eyes could recognize. What we have, a butterfly perspective now. The old creation, here's the problem, the old creation, uh, because it views people from that perspective, it isolates people from one another separates. Um, Without Christ, we have a skewed, I said we, have a skewed, faulty worldview. We have a flawed measuring stick that we measure people by. Um, uh, That's all of us. Jesus pointed it out in in, uh, in Matthew chapter 7. Um, He was teaching how, how we had this distorted view of our brothers and sisters when it came to making judgments due to our own issues and our own limited perspectives. We can see the speck in their eye, but not the log in our own eye. It's hard for anybody to measure up to our own human standards. I almost took a tangent, but I'm gonna stay on the road. Uh, uh, it's hard, it's hard, it's hard. I did, did have a question though. Would you, would you want God to use the same measuring stick on you that you use on others? That'll make you change your measuring stick, won't it? But he gave us something to, to transform. But it says, it's, but in Christ... We no longer need to measure things using our own sinful earthly standards. Christ has opened our eyes through his work to his work. We no longer base what we know about anyone on what 
we see simply, we, what, what we've recognized them as outside of Christ, but as what they can be in Christ. We see different. It, it, this, this, if we be honest in here, this is a struggle. Because when you open your eyes, you see what you see. There's an old saying, I probably shouldn't say it, that they would say, call a spade a spade. I don't know the origins of that, so I'm just going to keep moving. But, 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 you, but we see what we see, and, and we wrestle with unseeing what we see and seeing what we see differently. But because we're in Christ, uh, 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 we, we, we have been released from the, the bondage of caterpillar sight. We're not bound to it. I mean, sometimes you may see a butterfly land and crawl across the ground, but if they do it too long, you're going to say that butterfly is sick or somebody's about to do something to it. Uh, from, the, from, the, from the vantage point of the resurrection, no matter the condition, if anyone would be in Christ, all other things will be overcome by life. Uh, the, the, the new creation overtakes the old. Are, are you with me? In, in Christ, we have a new position and new perspective. Paul goes on to emphasize this by saying, behold, the new has come. In verse 17, Paul calls them to, to focus. That behold is, is, is your mother grabbing your face to pay attention. Y'all mothers didn't do that. I'm sorry. My mother. Uh, uh, Paul, Paul calls them to, to focus and to turn all their attention to, 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 to that new reality of life in Christ that should be obvious in and all around them. He said, look, see, it's right here. And Paul, Paul, a student of the word of God, Paul probably sees in this new creation the, the beginning of, of the fulfillment of the prophecy. God is, is answering his promises in, in Isaiah 43 and 19 where God also calls for everyone's attention saying, behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. That, that, was a, that was a message at that time of, uh, of restoration for, for his people from captivity, but now there is a message that he is restoring all people from their captivity. He's setting free. All of this is too big to miss. Paul said, don't get lost in it. They should never let anything or anyone love them back into the old things that Christ has already done away with. That's a word for somebody. <laughs> he says, all this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. <clears throat> <clears throat> That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. 
and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. This is a strange, uh, uh, it seems like a strange uh, 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 messaging right here because the people that Paul is talking to should already be reconciled to God. But do we get out of alignment? The old creation not only causes wedges between people, but it also, it's also a, a place of separation and animosity with God. But in his great mercy, he took action to repair that. So we, will we ever want to be out of it? Look, he took, he, took, he took great care to repair it. Look, through the sacrificial death of Christ on people's behalf, the judgment against us for choosing hostility with God that carried the penalty of death was satisfied. This is, it, it may be hard for people who've never done anything wrong to grasp this. And I'm not going to ask you to remove your halo. I'm just going to say, that's good news. <laughs> of, his, of his own will, by his own grace, God returned us to friendly and favorable relationship with himself. My God. Listen to this. I, I through, the, through the Kairos prison ministry that I'm a part of, that I serve with, um, I recently got to hear of, a, of a, a speaker, a woman named Misty Wright, with an amazing testimony. She was the victim of a brutal shooting and left for dead in a parking lot. She's in the 12th grade. I won't share all the details. But she recalls seeing the shooter and, and after being shot, lying uh, near the wheel of her car, asking him to help her as he walked away. By the grace of God, she survived. The shooter was arrested, but she still lived with the trauma of the incident for years to come. Feeling that she needed to, to overcome the, the, the bitterness, the anger, and, and, and make forgiveness real, she reached out to her shooter, who has since been released. By that time, he had become a believer and was becoming a chaplain in the prison system. Now, I've heard amazing uh, forgiveness stories before, but here's stood out. Misty didn't just close the story saying she forgave him. As she closed up her speech, she, she actually went on to introduce the next speaker as her shooter. And in the same breath that she introduced her shooter, 
lightly. God, who created all things, including us, almighty, all-powerful, all-knowing, who is the standard of what is right, has been wrong and offended by his own creation, who were unable to meet his standard and brazenly created their own standard, yet he opened a door of reconnection and friendship with himself. When we say God is good, you know it's an understatement. The life of new creation is possible because God did this. But even more, the Lord turns now to the reconciled and calls them to become reconcilers. We like the receiving. Now he says, be reconcilers. Now, now, now Paul, who was once Uh, one of the chief offenders pleads with people to take God up on his offer of reconciliation that's made possible only in Jesus Christ. Paul says, this is what I'm about now. This is what I lay down my life for. Uh, He says, don't you see? Don't you see, Corinthians? Don't you see that for our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God? Don't you see? It it would have been just a thing of tremendous mercy like Missy uh, for, for God to overlook and forgive our offenses against him. But he took it Further than that, not only was the judgment fulfilled against Christ on our behalf, the record of our wrong has been wiped clean. In our legal system, there are a couple ways for a person found guilty to be let go. You can get a pardon where they forgive your crime and let you go. The crime usually stays on your record, though. There's also an expungement. That's when the the crime that was on your record is sealed or removed. That that means when anybody tries to use it against you and bring it up, they can't. They can't. It's gone. So in, in, in case anyone still lacked motivation for participating completely in living out this life of new creation, Paul says that our record of wrong didn't just disappear. It was placed on Jesus' sheet. And then his spotless record was given to us. Isaiah puts it this way, and we're we're almost closing. Uh, Isaiah puts it this way, he says, Out of the anguish of his soul, he shall see and be satisfied. By his knowledge shall the righteous one, my servant, make many to be accounted righteous. And he shall bear their iniquities. Isaiah 53, 11. Don't you think This is critical news for the world today. 
99.9.999% of what we see going on in the world today is because of the lack of reconciliation. Doesn't the world need to, uh, isn't this critical news that God is giving out fresh starts in Jesus Christ? Millions of folks are trapped in the condemned old creation when there's a new creation available. We bask in it, the new creation. Well, Paul says God uses the reconciled to work with him as reconcilers. Paul goes on in the scripture to describe how he now lives a life that both pleads and opens a clear path for people to take part in the reconciliation. The question is, are you motivated to share the hope you live in with others? Are you, are you motivated? I, I, I know, I know, I know it's, uh, I know it's, uh, it's awkward. It can be inconvenient, but one writer said if, if, if the Christian had to spend five minutes in hell, they would come out on fire and blazing to witness for the Lord so no one else would have to experience it. If we have become a part of the new creation, the new creation should alter everything about us, including the way that we live. 